Welcome to episode number 39 of Sean's Sports Show. Today we are coming at you live from the usual Los Angeles, California. Not much has uh, transpired here, as I usually say, but a lot has transpired inside the world of sports. So as per usual, we're going to be covering the breaking news in sports, as well as the news results and matchups of the professional sports teams in Los Angeles. But that's not all. We are also going to be covering the the Monte Carlo Open for tennis. So that is that. And the first thing we're going to be talking about has to do with golf. I know, unbelievable, unbelievable, but I'm going to talk about it. So Satoshi Kodera defeated Siwoo Kim in a playoff on Sunday to win the 2018 RBC Heritage at Harbor Town Golf Links in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Kodera, who trailed Kim by five shots heading into the final round, shot a 566 to finish 1200 for the tournament. Kadera and Kim tied uh, the first two playoff holes before a birdie on the third was enough for Kadera to take the title. The tournament's official Twitter account receives Kadera receiving his jacket. It's the first PGA Tour win of Kadera's career. Entering, the tw- entering Sunday, the 28-year-old had failed to even register a top 10 finish. Um, Kadera got his final round off to an excellent start, birdieing his first three holes. He moved to 4-under for the 4-round with a birdie on number 7, but lost a stroke with a bogey on number 8. Three birdies and a bogey on the back nine had him at 500 for the round heading to the 18th tee. Kadera needed to sink a 27-foot putt to save par and stay at 1,200 for the weekend, thus keeping him in position for a sudden-death playoff. Since he teed off nearly an hour before before Kim, he had to patiently wait in the clubhouse to see what, whether his lead would hold or not. As impressive as Kadera's surge up the leaderboard was, he got some help from Kim. Kim carded three birdies on the front nine, but bogeyed three holes after making the turn. Ian Poulter, who led by one stroke th- th- through three rounds, also fell apart on Sunday, shooting four over for the round to finish at nine under. Luke List was unable to find a groove as well, winding up at 11 under for the tournament after carding a one over 72 in the final round. Consistency was the key for Kadera. According to PGA Tour.com, he missed only two of the 14 fairways and reached 13 greens in regulation. Kim, meanwhile, reached six fairways and 11 re- greens in regulation. The final result would be, uh, could be huge for Kadera. Jonathan Wall of the PGA Tour's official site reported Kadera plans to join the PGA Tour on a full-time basis. While Golf Channel's Ryan Lavener wrote it, noted he set to climb up the official world golf ranking. Before making the trip to Hilton uh, Head, Kadera was trending upward. He made the cut and finished 54th at the WGC Mexico Championship in March and tied uh, for 28th at the Masters earlier, th- earlier this month, his best finish at a major tournament. Sunday's win uh, could represent Kadera's breakthrough on the tour as he looks to become more of a mainstay on the final day. So that is that. Now we're going to be talking about NBA basketball here. Philadelphia 76ers center Joel Embiid cleared concussion protocol on Sunday, but he will miss Game 2 of Philly's first uh, round playoff series against the Miami Heat on Monday. This is according to ESPN's Ramona Shelburne. Embiid uh, is recovering from a fractured orbital bone and will likely be forced to wear a protective mask when he returns to action. The all-star big man missed the final eight games of the season, as well as the Sixers won a 31-103 win over the Heat in Game 1 on Saturday. Uh, Philly is the number three seed in the Eastern Conference and is making its first playoff appearance since the 2011-2012 season. Embiid enjoyed a career best in 2017-18 as he appeared in a career-high 63 games and averaged 22.9 points, 11 rebounds, 3.2 assists, and 1.8 blocks a game. Veteran Amir Johnson started Game 1 in Embiid's place and finished with 2.7 rebounds and 4 assists. Philadelphia will host Miami on Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific for Game 2 of the series. So that is that. Um, now, uh, another story, a story in European soccer, the Premier League in England. 
West Bromwich Albion shocked Manchester United at Old Trafford on Sunday, winning 1-0 to hand Manchester City the Premier League title. Jay Rodriguez scored the only goal after 73 minutes of uninspired football, and that was enough to bring the title fight to an end. City beat Tottenham Hotspur 3-1 on Saturday. Fans hoping for an exciting first half were let wanting as neither side showed much inspiration and the manager's tactics negated each team's strengths. United came out with three midfielders who preferred to do their work in the center of the pitch, Paul Pogba, Ander Herrera, and Nemanja Matic, and the result was a lack of space to move the ball into. As shared by Samuel Luckhurst of the Manchester Evening News, it didn't take long for Jose Mourinho to realize change was needed. The best chance of the opening half fell to the visitors, but David De Gea did well to deny Jake Livermore. Um, one moment that stood out in the first half came after 29 minutes when Pogba was booked for a deliberate handball. Alexis Sanchez's cross into the box was just a little too high, and the Frenchman tried to guide the ball home with his arm. The problem was, uh, the, problem was uh, the farm was so far away from his head that just about everyone inside the stadium caught him doing it. Uh, Pogba was taken off in the 58th minute. The introduction of Jesse Lingard gave United a much-needed boost, and the host improved as the half wore on. Romelu Lukaku nearly gave his team the lead with a good header, but Ben Foster produced a stunning save to keep the score level. And with just over 15 minutes to play, Rodriguez capitalized on some bad set, set piece defending it to give West Brom hope in the battle against the drop. The goal was virtually the goal also virtually gave City the title, and sports writer Robbie Dunn thought it was not the way that the Red Devils faithful would like the title race to end. To say fans and local reporters were disappointed with the outcome would be an understatement. Handing your rivals the title was bad enough, but doing so by losing to the last place team is something in, entirely different. Uh, next, United visit Bournemouth on Wednesday, while West Brom play host to Liverpool on Saturday. So that's that. Now a story inside the world of the NBA. Um, if Game 1 between the Boston Celtics and Milwaukee Bucks is any indication, the first round series between the teams is going to be intense. Boston survived the opening salvo 113-107, winning in overtime after it appeared the Celtics had stolen the game in regulation. Terry Rozier, the team's starting point guard with Kyrie Irving down for the season, put Eric Bledsoe in a blender and sunk what looked like the game-winning three with just half a second on the clock. But Chris Middleton wasn't ready to hit the showers, instead nailing a 35-foot three-pointer with no time on the clock to send the game to overtime. Replay reviews appeared to show the ball just leaving Middleton's fingers as time expired. Rozier had the last laugh, however, as his 8 points, 2 rebounds, and assists in overtime helped Boston escape with the victory. He finished with 23 points and 3 assists overall. That spoiled Herculean efforts from Giannis Antetokounmpo, 35 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, and Middleton, 31 points, 8, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists, who were basically Milwaukee's only offense until Malcolm Brogdon, 16 points off the bench, started hitting shots in the second half. No other buck finished with double-digit points, and, and as Zach Lowe of ESPN noted, Milwaukee's lack of cohesion on offense remains an issue. Middlewind's heroics at the end of regulation, meanwhile, were a first this season, according to ESPN stats and info. Chris Middleton's uh, players were 0 for 26 on game-tying or go-ahead field goal attempts from 35-plus feet in the final three seconds this season. As for the Celtics, the team's stingy defense and ability to control the game's pace were integral once again. The Celtics held Milwaukee to only 99 points in regulation, 7 below its season average. The team's offensive balance was key as well, however. Al Horford, Al Horford led the charge with 24 points and 12 boards and 3 blocks while Marcus Morris contributed a huge 21 points and 7 rebounds in 31 or 35 excuse me, minutes off the bench. Jalen Brown also dropped 20 points, and Jason Tatum had 19 himself. Um, but the game may have been decided by the starting point guards. Eric Bledsoe had a rough afternoon, scoring only 9 points while turning the ball over 5 times. While he's likely ready to put Game 1 in the rearview mirror, Rozier um, was the talk of the post-game after his clutch performance. For Milwaukee, recovering from a Game 1 that appeared very winnable may be tough, so uh, it should be interesting. Facing a Celtics team without Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, and Marcus Smart, 
is a golden opportunity for the Milwaukee Bucks to advance to the second round of the playoffs. They'll get their next chance on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. Though if the Greek freak in Middleton don't get some help, it could be a short series against the Brazilian Celtics. So now a story in the NFL here. A lot of controversy in the NFL recently. Ex-Philadelphia Eagles cornerback Daryl Worley was r reportedly tased and then arrested in Philadelphia on early su Sunday morning. According to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, the incident occurred at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, which is 3 p.m. Pacific, on Sunday after Worley became, after Worley, quote, became combative with, poli combative with police. Rappaport added that, quote, Worley was found passed out inside a vehicle blocking a highway and a gun was recovered at the scene. Poor NFL Network's Mike Garofalo, the incident took place near the Eagles team facility. The Eagles announced Worley has been released after the arrest. The 23-year-old Worley is a Philly native who spent the first two seasons of his career with the Carolina Panthers after they selected him in the third round of the 2016 NFL Draft out of West Virginia. Carolina dealt Worley to the Eagles this offseason in a trade for veteran wide receiver Torrey Smith. Worley started 14 games for the Panthers last season and finished his second NFL season with 63 tackles and a career-high two interceptions. It was expected that Worley would be in the mix for a starting job in Philadelphia along with fellow corners Ronald Darby, Jalen Mills, and Sidney Jones. So that's that. I hope the best for him. Now, another story inside the world of the NFL. Tight end Rob Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski reportedly won't be in attendance when the New England Patriots offseason program begins on Monday. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, Gronk has, has had, quote, good communication with the organization, and he is still weighing whether he wants to play in 2018. Shortly after the Pats' Super Bowl 52 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, Gronkowski confirmed that he would consider his options during the offseason when asked about retirement per Henry McKenna of USA Today. Although Gronkowski has yet to commit to returning, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reported in February that he was expected to play in 2018. After an injury plague 2016, Gronk appeared in 14 games last year and finished with 69 receptions for 1,084 yards and 8 touchdowns en route to his 5th Pro Bowl and 4th All-Pro first team nod. Gronk also appeared in all three of New England's playoff games. However, a concussion forced him to leave the AFC Championship game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. With 474 catches for 7,149 yards and 76 touchdowns in his career through only eight seasons, the 28-year-old Gronkowski is already among the most productive tight ends in NFL history. If Gronk does decide to step away from football, Dwayne Allen is currently in line to be to be quarterback Tom Brady's number one option at tight end. So that's that. Now another story in the NFL. The New York Giants reportedly believe former Penn State running back Saquon Barkley is a, quote, near-perfect prospect in that, quote, he's, better, he's a better player than Ezekiel Elliott. This is according to Paul Schwartz of the New York Post. I thought, quote, I thought all along this is the guy, Giants general manager uh, Dave Gettleman, who said he wants an NFL scout who knows Gettleman told Schwartz, and he might get him if Cleveland is dumb enough to take him at number one. Compa comparing Barkley to Elliott, who's, who has 2,614 yards and 22 touchdowns on the ground in just 25 games is high praise, but the Giants reportedly believe Barkley, is, Barkley quote, is a far superior pass, ca pass catcher who has, quote, absolutely no character issues or concerns. As for New York's other options with the number two overall pick, Schwartz reported, quote, it still does not appear likely the team will select a quarterback. He added that former NC State defensive end Bradley Chubb is in the mix, but that former Notre Dame guard Quentin Nelson will not be the choice. Quote, I don't think, I don't think Dave will take a quarterback. I don't see it. I could see Chubb putting on that gold jacket. I could see Nelson putting on that gold jacket. Barkley, no question. The scout told Schwartz, referencing Gettleman's standards, that the, that the number two pick should be a player who projects who projects to be a Hall of Famer. If you have a crystal ball and say this guy's going to be an annual pro, an annual All-Pro and make it to the Hall of Fame, Barkley would be the number one guy. Barkley certainly indicated as much during his college career, career rushing for 3,483 yards and 43 touchdowns in three seasons, while adding 102 receptions for 1,195 yards and another eight touchdowns. Still, the Giants have three routes to consider at the number two pick. They could, they could one, draft the quarterback to groom behind Eli Manning, 
Two, take the best player on their board regardless of position, which may be a talent like Bradley or Barkley or Chubb. Three, t uh, they could trade the pick to a QB needy team and accumulate a treasure chest of draft assets. If the Giants are focused on Barkley, they like they likely won't mind any reports that they aren't interested in a QB at number two. That may give the indication to a Q to quarterback needy teams that New York is open for business and could result in a bidding war for the pick. But if the Giants stay put, the decision could come down to whether the team believes it could add a franchise cornerstone at QB or think or thinks a player like Barkley has more long-term upside. So it should be interesting to see how this plays out. Now a big story in the NBA here. San Antonio Spurs star Kawhi Leonard will sit out the rest of the NBA playoffs as he recovers from a right quadriceps injury, the verticals Shams Cherania reported on Sunday. Leonard wasn't even with the team for San Antonio's 113-92 loss to the Golden State Warriors on Saturday. ESPN's Chris Haynes reported Leonard's medical team had yet to clear him for a return to the court. While nobody expected Kawhi to suit up for the first game of the Spurs playoff series with Golden State, many were surprised when he failed to at least appear on the bench in, the, in support of his teammates. According to Cherania, Leonard has been working out in New York City quote, in, collabor in collaboration and with the approval of the Spurs medical staff. At this point, ruling out Leonard for the playoffs is the Spurs' best move. They, uh, they've already, they're already down a, a game to the Warriors, and deactivating Leonard would end all of the questions about when he might play again. Spurs head coach Greg Popovich offered a cut response when asked whether Kawhi will rejoin the team for the San Antonio Express News' Jeff McDonald. Uh, he said, you'll have to ask Kawhi and his group that question on whether or not he's going to come back. San Antonio's focus should now be on Leonard's long-term future with the team. The two-time All-Star can opt out of his contract after next season, so the Spurs may have to seriously contemplate trading him if he's, if he's unwilling to sign a max extent extension. USA Today, Sam Amick reported the Los Angeles Clippers are already formulating trade offers should San Antonio make Leonard available. Popovich acknowledged in January that LaMarcus Aldridge had asked for a trade before, before he and Aldridge discussed his role in the offense at length. Aldridge not only remained with the Spurs, but became their most important player, with Leonard missing so much time this season. Once the season is over, the Spurs may be able to reach a similar resolution regarding any lingering friction between themselves and Kawhi Leonard. Now a story in European soccer, the second one of the day. You know it's the business end of the season when titles are being won, and this weekend it saw two champions crowned, Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain. That in addition to the chaos that was the Champions League and Europa League quarterfinal second legs made it one hell of a week for football fans with excitement and drama at every turn. For, th for those of you that don't know, every other country besides the United States calls soccer football, so that's that. Um, these rankings are a season-long uh, measurement of clubs throughout 2017-18 throughout and taking into account results from all competitions. Sides that have lost the fewest games naturally rank higher, though the strength of opposition met in a loss is considered, and both Champions League form and presence are used as tiebreakers for those with similar records. Teams that enjoy big wins uh, against strong opponents get a boost. So number 20 is... Um, a Red Bull Salzburg, who, who are new to the list. Then Arsenal is at number 19. They moved down one spot. Marseille is number 18, who are new. Uh, Schalke 04 at number 17. They went up two spots. Uh, at 16 is Chelsea, who stayed in the same spot as last year. 15 is Inter Milan, who stayed at the same spot as last year. 14 is Lazio, who went up one spot. 13 is Valencia, who went down one spot. Uh, 12 is Napoli, who went down two spots. 11 is Tottenham Hotspur, who stayed at the same spot, number 11. Uh, 10 is Manchester United, who went down one spot. 9 is AS Roma, who went up four spots. Uh, 8 is Paris Saint-Germain, who stayed in the same place. 7 is Atletico Madrid, who stayed at the same place. 6 is Juventus, who stayed at the same place. 5 is Real Madrid, who went down one. Uh, 4 is Liverpool, who went up one spot. 3 is Manchester City, who stayed in the same place. 2 is Barcelona, who went down one. And 1 is Bayern Munich, that went up one. So those are your top 20 European teams. Uh, now a story in the NBA. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo fouled out with 13 seconds remaining in overtime, 
of Sunday's 113-107 loss to the Boston Celtics, but the Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks star disagreed with the call. Quote, I don't think that was a foul, he said after the game per Nick Friedel of ESPN.com. I grabbed the ball, but the ref said that I grabbed his hand. I just got to live with that call and just move forward because that's what players do. Hopefully next time I can knock down the free throw and not get into that situation. Antetokounmpo missed his second of two free throw attempts, leading to a scramble on the rebound. He was called for a foul, and Terry Rozier was able to extend the three-point lead to four with little time remaining on the clock. Meanwhile, Rozier thought it was a makeup call from tough breaks the rest of the game. Quote, there, was a lot, there were a lot of tough, tough, tough calls tonight, but I think they owed us that one, the guard said of the controversial late foul, per Kevin Duffy of Mass Live. While the call didn't directly decide the game, the Bucks would have had much better chance with their star players still in the game for the final few possessions. The 6'11", Antetokounmpo, also would have been favored to win the jump ball against the 6'2", Rozier. Antetokounmpo finished with 35 points, 13 rebounds, and 7 assists in a game that featured a wild finish to regulation. However, the Bucks were not able to take advantage in overtime. Milwaukee will have to come back even stronger in Game 2 on Tuesday, otherwise this could end up being its 8th straight first-round exit. Uh, now a story in, another story in the NBA. Cleveland Cavaliers star LeBron James isn't sweating a one-game deficit to the Indiana Pacers in the opening round of the NBA playoffs. Following the Cavs' 98-80 defeat, James told reporters he was he has quote always stayed even kneeled with the postseason and alluded to the Cleveland's and, Cle- and alluded to Cleveland's comeback in the 2016 NBA Finals. The four-time MVP also talked about Lance Stevenson, who continued to be a uh, meddlesome presence for James. He praised Stevenson's work, who had 12 points and five rebounds off the bench. Uh, while James and the Cavaliers teammates shouldn't hit the panic button after one game. Sunday's lopsided defeat didn't come out of nowhere. Cleveland dropped three of its four games against Indiana in the normal season, and Cleveland finished with the second-worst defensive rating at 109.5 in the league this year per NBA.com. Unlike last year, the Cavs don't have Kyrie Irving's instant offense to help mask any defensive cracks either. Um, Sunday's game highlighted issues that have plagued Cleveland all season. The team couldn't stop Victor Oladipo, and there wasn't a player who could shoulder the offensive burden besides LeBron James. Kevin Love had only eight shot attempts. In the first three years after LeBron re-signed with the team, the Cavs lost five combined games in the first three rounds of the playoffs. Assuming Cleveland writes the ship enough to advance past the Pacers, this postseason is likely to be uh, it's likely to present the Cavs with their toughest road to the NBA Finals since LeBron's return. So now covering this game a little more, um, Victor Oladipo posted 32 points, six rebounds, four assists, and four steals as the Indiana Pacers beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 98 to 80 in Game One of the first round NBA playoff series on Sunday. LeBron James, who has won 21 straight games in the first round of the NBA playoffs leading into the series, had a triple double for the Cavs. Thanks to 24 points, 12 assists, and 10 rebounds. It's the first time he has experienced a loss in the first round since 2012, per Mark Stein of the New, uh, New York Times. The Pacers set the tone for the entire game with a dominant first half, which included a 33-14 Pacers lead after one quarter. Oladipo led the Pacers charge, posting 16 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 steals before halftime. The front runner for most improved player also hit 4 or 5 three-pointers, including the shot that put the Pacers up 50-34. to Oladipo received help from his supporting cast as Miles Turner 12 points, Bojan Bogdanovic 10 points, and Lance Stevenson 9 points helped the team to a 55-38 halftime lead. The Pacers shot 47.6% from the field and made half of their 14 first half threes. On the other side, it was a one-man show as LeBron had 14 points, 6 assists, and 5 rebounds. He showcased his excellent ball handling skills with his nifty move through the paint to bring the Cavs within 15 early in the second quarter. No other Cavs scored more than 6 points in the first half and the team Minus LeBron shot only thir- only 10 of 31 from the field. Kevin Love led the team on the glass with 8 rebounds. The Pacers picked up where they left off in the third quarter as they took a 63-41 lead following a Thaddeus Young layup. Scott Agnes, so- Scott Agnes of uh, Vigilant Sports credited the Pacers' energy. However, the Cavs started back and ended the quarter on a 24-10 run. The key bucket was a Kevin Love 30-foot three-pointer to cut the deficit to 70-63. to Love was fouled on the play and missed the ensuing free throw, but the Cavs trailed by only 8 heading into the fourth quarter.
Once there, however, Oladipo continued his fantastic performance, scoring 10 points en route to helping the Pacers end the game on a 22-11 run. For the Pacers, Turner finished with 16 points, while Bogdanovich and Stevenson added 15 and 12 respectively. Oladipo, Bogdanovich, Darren Collison, and Corey Joseph also combined for 12 steals. Love, and the Cavs, uh, Love led the Cavs on the boards with 17. J.R. Smith scored 15 points off the bench. Cleveland will host Indiana for Game 2 of their Best of 7 series on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on TNT. So that is that. Now, a huge uh, story inside the world of the uh, baseball. And by the way, I didn't mention this, but this episode is... Uh, it's. It's, it's this covers episode 39 and 40 so this is like two episodes in one so um, I'm, I'm currently recording this episode at 219 right now it's 219 p.m. Uh, in Los Angeles so uh, there will definitely be news uh, later today so if there if there will be breaking news uh, I'm not gonna I, I'll, I'm gonna choose between including it on my social media or just or just including it in tomorrow's episode so I'll have to I'll have to decide on that one uh, so so yeah but if, if it's news like the LA sports teams, like the results of the of Dodgers or Kings or something, or I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like I'm definitely I'm definitely not gonna you know I'll, I'll you know I'll, I'll either look I'll either include it in tomorrow's episode or I'll just mention it on my social media. So anyway, going back to the podcast. So today or yesterday, excuse me, a big story in baseball: the Texas Texas Rangers starting pitcher Bartolo Colon may have failed in his no hit bid on Sunday against the Houston Astros, but he made history nonetheless. Colon lost his perfect game with a walk to Carlos Correa to open the eighth inning, and Josh Reddick got Houston's first hit with a double one batter later. Still, Colon, who's 44 years old, is the oldest pitcher to have a no-hitter in the eighth inning, according to Dallas Morning News' Evan Grant. The Rangers removed Colon after throwing 7.2 innings. He allowed one earned run on one hit and struck out seven batters. Um, while nobody expected Colon to flirt with perfection on Sunday night, his work on the mound continued uh, which, with what has been a solid start to his Rangers career. He allowed two earned runs over 11 innings in his first three appearances. Despite this being his 21st NBA season, Cologne has yet to throw a no-hitter in the majors. He did, however, toss a no-no with the Buffalo Bisons, uh, then the Cleveland Indians' AAA affiliate in June of 1997. Uh, now a story in the NBA. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder took a 1-0 series lead over the Utah Jazz in the 2018 NBA Finals. In the play- uh, excuse me, NBA Playoffs. <laughs> um... It was a 116-108 win at uh, Chesapeake and Energy Arena. Paul George led all scorers with 36 points on 13 of 20 shooting. George hit eight three-pointers, which tied a franchise record, according to ESPN Stats and Info. Earlier this week, George uh, brought up his postseason alter ego, quote, playoff P, telling reporters it's, quote, an out-of-body person when he flips the switch, per the Norman transcripts, Fred Katz. While the comment initially raised some eyebrows, many were quick to jump aboard the playoff P bandwagon. Uh, Sunday's game is a perfect example of why the Thunder acquired Paul George prior to the season. Russell Westbrook had 29 points, 13 rebounds, and 8 assists, yet he, yet he turned the ball over 5 times and was 10 of 25 from the field and 0 of 4 from 3. This time last year, Westbrook's turnovers and inefficient shooting might have doomed Oklahoma City. Instead, George took a lot of pressure off Westbrook and Series 6M NBA's radios. Justin Termine went so far as to say that 5-time All-Star could mean a lot more to the Thunder. Granted, George and Westbrook accounted for more than half of Oklahoma City's total scoring, which may not be sustainable over the duration of the playoffs. But having two players of George and Westbrook's caliber draws a stark contrast between the Thunder and the Jazz that could be the difference in the series. The Jazz, the jazz jumped out to an early 16-4 lead before the, th- before the Thunder went on, went on to a 12-0 run to tie it with little over three minutes left in the first quarter. 
Utah didn't necessarily lose the game in the first quarter, but it squandered a great opportunity to take home the home crowd, to take the home crowd out of the game early instead of being up double digits heading into the second quarter. And instead of doing, instead of being up by double digits, they were tied at 25 uh, heading into the second. Although Donovan Mitchell played well, he dropped 17 points and got 10 rebounds. The Jazz's lack of secondary scoring was a large reason for the team's poor end to the first quarter, as well as his failure to repeat its hot stretch to open the game. Rudy Gobert finished 6 of 8 for 14 points, which was a, which was about the most the Jazz could expect from the French big man given his limited range, and Joe Ingles and Dre Crowder combined to score 26 points. Derek Favors connected on 3 of his 7 shots for just 7 points, and Ricky Rubio finished with 18 total field goal attempts, which uh, was good news for Oklahoma City. The Jazz finished a respectable 15th in offensive rating at 106.2 during the season per NBA.com, but Sunday illustrated how Utah's limitation on offense can be a big problem in the postseason. Beyond Mitchell, the Jazz lack a player who can single-handedly change the game with his scoring. And Hoop Magazine's Josh Eberle also noted how Mitchell's duties weren't limited to offense. In addition to being Utah's primary scorer, he was frequently matched up against Paul George on defense. Putting so much on the shoulders of a rookie is a recipe for disaster in the postseason. The Jazz were one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, and that defense could help Utah advance in the second round and beyond this season. But with the Jazz, but the Jazz had little chance when they allowed their opponents to shoot 48% from the field and go 14 of 29 from beyond the arc. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder will work tirelessly to devise a defensive game plan that neutralizes Paul George ahead of Game 2 on Wednesday. Even if he's successful in that pursuit, it may not be enough to even the series if Utah can't find somebody to supplement Mitchell offensively. So, uh, that's that. Now, another story in the NBA. Uh, James Harden apparently isn't slowing down in the playoffs after an incredible regular season. The Houston Rockets star forward... Uh, Star scores 44, including 13 in the fourth quarter, to help the number one seed in the West survive the one with a 104 to 101 game one win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Andrew Wiggins scored 18 for the Timberwolves in his first in their first playoff game with four, in 14 years, but it wasn't enough to keep up with Harden and the Rockets' offense. The Timberwolves refused to go away down the stretch, cutting a seven-point deficit with 90 seconds left, down to three with the ball. However, Jimmy Butler airballed a deep two. He meant to take a three, but he had his foot on the line, and Houston held on. Uh, while each side had key moments, it was Harden who stole the show while knocking down shots from all over the floor. He also added 8 assists and 2 steals. A personal 7-0 run also helped turn a 1-point lead in the 4th quarter to an 8-point advantage that helped decide the game. Perhaps most importantly, he was able to knock down shots in a game where his teammates couldn't make anything from outside. Harden finished 7 of 12 from beyond the arc, while the rest of the Rockets were 3 of 25 combined. They, um, they instead had to rely upon production inside, and Clint Capella was there to help from the opening tip. The center had 20 points and 10 rebounds in the first half, helping the favorites get off to a quick start. Meanwhile, Carl uh, Anthony Towns didn't find much room to roam with just three three points by halftime. One-sided play in the post didn't mean much. However, as the Wolves remained in striking distance at 54 to 47 at intermission, a 9-0 run after halftime put the Timberwolves in front, and Derrick Rose made a big impact off the bench, including hitting a go-ahead three with three minutes to go in the third before finishing with 16 points. Still, Harden did plenty of damage on his own to help the home team regaining his regain the lead going into the fourth. Minnesota's defense pre prevented the Rockets from pulling away, but he couldn't take advantage of mistakes in the final minutes and failed to uh, get enough out of his key players. Jeff Teague almost earned a triple-double with 15 points, 9 rebounds, and 8 assists, but Jimmy Butler, 13 points, and Towns, 8 points, hardly showed up in the loss. The defeat also represents, 11, uh, represents the 11th straight loss for Minnesota in Houston. The teams will get a bit of a break before returning for Game 2 on Wednesday at the Toyota Center. Another loss for the T-Wolves would put, would put them in serious trouble. So that's that. Now a story in the NFL. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks have reportedly not ruled out signing Colin Kaepernick, despite bringing uh, backup, despite bringing back backup quarterback Austin Davis. Mike Garofalo of NFL Network reported the Seahawks' uh, talks with Kaepernick are in a quote holding pattern, but nothing has been decided. 
Davis is 28 years old, agreed to a one-year contract for the veterans minimum. A 2012 undrafted free agent, Davis has not thrown a pass since the 2015 season. Kaepernick was 30 years old, went unsigned last season despite throwing for 2,241 yards and 16 touchdowns against four interceptions during the 2016 season with the San Francisco 49ers. His national anthem protests appeared to be the overaching cause of his continued unemployment. Kaepernick has sued the NFL, claiming its owners colluded to keep him out of the league. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported the Seahawks pu pulled out of a workout because Kaepernick refused to say he would not kneel during the national anthem. The report says it was a last-minute request from Seattle, which to that point had planned to bring him in for a tryout. The Seahawks brought Kaepernick in for a meeting last year before deciding to sign, uh, before, uh, deciding to sign him. Seattle and, and the Baltimore Ravens are the only teams that have come close to adding the 49ers' former franchise face since he became a free agent. Adidas has expressed interest in signing Kaepernick to an endorsement deal if he's signed by an NFL team. Quote, we love athletes that have a platform to make the world a better place, Adidas president Mark King said, per Greg Moore of AZ Arizona Central. If they're an activist in a way that brings attention to something that moves the world forward, even if there's controversy at that moment, we're really interested in those athletes because I think it represents the world today. Owners and general managers for multiple NFL teams have already given their de depositions in the Kaepernick collusion case. The league's owners have said their refusal to sign Kaepernick was made individually rather than as a collective. So, uh, covering a story that I brought up uh, earlier in the, in the episode, NFL cornerback Daryl Worley has been charged with, quote, violation of the Uniform Fire Fi Firearms Act, driving under the influence of disorderly conduct and related offenses, Philadelphia police said on Monday, according to Les Bowen of Philly.com. Worley, 23, was released Sunday night by the Philadelphia Eagles after he was arrested near the team's practice facility. Police reportedly found him sleeping in his car, and he allegedly began, uh, quote, fighting with officers who woke him, and police used a taser to subdue him. Police also reportedly recovered a gun at the scene. The Eagles traded for Worley, a Philadelphia native who attended the city's Penn Charger High School, in exchange for uh, wideout uh, Torrey Smith this offseason. Worley spent the first two seasons of his uh, career with the Carolina Panthers. Worley has had legal issues in the past. Legal issues in the past. In 2014, he pleaded no contest to a misdemeanor assault charge and served a six-month suspension sentence. Uh, now, big story in the NFL. Uh... James Harrison's NFL career is over after 16 years, the veteran linebacker announced on Monday. Quote, I've missed way too much for way too long, and I'm done. Many thanks to my family, coaches, the fans, and everyone who played a role in my football life, Harrison wrote on, on Instagram. This isn't the first time Harrison has hung up his cleats, but it's likely to have more uh, finality than his initial flirtation with retirement. That lasted a little over two weeks before he signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers in September of 2014. Harrison entered uh, rare company by deciding to come back for the 2017 season. According to Pro Football Reference, uh, Junior Seo and Clay Matthews were the only two linebackers who continued playing into age 39. Ben Roethlisberger thought his former teammate defied the aging curve. Quote, he doesn't show any signs of slowing down, the Steelers QB said, per the MMQB's Tim Rohan. If anything is getting better, whatever special, magical, chemical, herbal thing that he's doing, maybe we should all do it. Um, Father, Father Time appeared to finally get the better of Harrison in 2017. He had just three tackles and five appearances for the Steelers before Pittsburgh released him with two games left in the season. He made a little secret of his disappointment with his limited role per NBC Sports' as Michelle Tafoya. Harrison quickly signed with the New England Patriots. He made five tackles and two sacks in the team's 26-6 Week 17 win over the New York Jets and eight more tackles during the Super Bowl run. While Harrison found a nice landing spot in New England, the way the 2017 season played out cast serious doubt over his long-term future. Veteran experience only counts for so much, and Harrison wasn't able to take a backseat in 2018 based on his comments to Tafoya. Signing Harrison made sense for the Patriots because their normal season was nearly over. Counting on him from week one is a much different matter. With his career now over, Harrison can begin polishing up the speech he'll deliver in Ohio. As a 
a five-time Pro Bowler and, and the 2018 Associated Press Defensive Player of the Year. He's allowed to be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Harrison was a fixture of the Steelers' defense for over a decade and delivered one of the most memorable plays in Super Bowl history with his pick six in the final seconds of the first half in Super Bowl um, in the Super Bowl. Considering Harrison didn't become a starter for the Steelers until he turned 29, he made up for lost time in a big way. Harrison's Steelers tenure ended in an underwhelming fashion, but he leaves a large legacy in Steel City and will unquestionably be remembered alongside some of the franchise's greatest players of all time. Now a huge story in the NFL. Uh, C.J. Anderson is a free agent after being released from the Denver Broncos on, on Monday, according to Mike Garofalo of NFL Network. Anderson is coming off his most productive NFL season in which he played all 16 games for the first time in his career. He finished with a career high, 1,007 rushing yards to go with 224 receiving yards and four total touchdowns. The 27-year-old has spent his entire five-year career with the Broncos, producing some big moments. He earned a Pro Bowl selection in 2014 after a huge second half of the season, and he was a key part of the team's 2015 run to a Super Bowl title. Unfortunately, consistency has been a problem, and he hadn't started more than eight games in any season until 2017. Even last year, he had more games with fewer than 50 rushing yards, seven than games of over 100 yards, too. Per Spotrack, Anderson was owed $9 million combined over the next two seasons, but didn't come with any dead cap for the Broncos, making him a candidate for release. He saw the writing on the wall as early as December. Quote, not only are you playing, are you playing for it, not quote, not only are you playing for if you want to be in blue or orange next year, but you're also playing for 31 other teams too, the running back said, for John Heath of Broncos Wire. The team reportedly also had a verbal agreement to send the running back to the Miami Dolphins before the trade was nixed, per Troy Reich of Denver 7. After, the, after apparently unable to find another potential deal, the Broncos released him a clear cap room as well as other possible as well as possible playing time for Devontae Booker and others. Although teams tend to shy away from signing veteran running backs, Anderson is still young and doesn't have too much mileage on him with just 693 career carries. He should find a new home before the start of next season. Uh, so that's that. Uh, now, just a story in breaking news in general. Uh, for the first time since 1985, an American woman has won the Boston Marathon. Desiree Linden captured the victory Monday with an unofficial time of 2 hours, 39 minutes, and 54 seconds. Linden is the first American woman since Lisa Larson uh, waded back to cross the finish line first at the marathoning's preeminent race. She battled treacherous conditions highlighted by rain and cold temperatures to pull away from the field for a relatively easy win. Quote, I don't have the right words. I'm thrilled. It's supposed to be hard. Linden said afterward for the race's Twitter account. Sarah Sellers finished more than four minutes behind in second place. Of course, not all of Linden's slower times was the result of the weather. In a fun sign of uh, solidarity, Linden stopped with teammates uh, Shalane Flanagan early in the race when she used the restroom on the track. Quote, honestly, at mile 234, I didn't feel like I was going to even make it to the finish line. Linden said via Roxanne Scott of USA Today, I told uh, her and her is Flanagan in the race. I said, if there's anything I can do to help you out, let me know because I might just drop out. When you work together, you never know what's going to happen, Linden said. Helping her help me and kind of got my legs back from there. Linden is the 16th American woman to win the marathon, though the race has been dominated by other nations in recent years. The race winner had come from Kenya or Ethiopia for the... The race winner had come from Kenya or Ethiopia the last decade. Uh, Mamitu Tasaka of Ethiopia had led for more than half of the race but faded down the stretch. Linden, Linden took her lead in, uh, in the 21st mile, passing Tasaka and then Gladys Chester of Kenya. Seven different American women finished in the top ten, so that's that's pretty cool. Uh, now, uh, the last uh, breaking news story that we have, it's uh, NBA. Jeff Van Gundy led the New York Knicks to the playoff six straight seasons from 1996 through 2001, but the team reportedly is not interested in, uh, in hiring him as a head coach again. On Monday, Ian Begley of ESPN.com reported New York has shown no interest in reuniting with Van Gundy, even though the ESPN analyst, quote, would be open to talking about the position if he were approached. The head coaching position is open after the Knicks fired Jeff Hornacek at the conclusion of last season. 
this or this season. This comes after Adrian. This comes after Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported Sunday the Knicks are pl- were planning on meeting with David Fisdale, Mark Jackson, and Jerry Stackhouse, who he called quote three of the top candidates for the position. Wojnarowski noted that New York Knicks will be setting up a meeting with former Cleveland Cavaliers head coach David Black, while Bregley and his uh, colleague and pointed out while Bre- while while Bregley cited his colleague and pointed out that the team received permission to speak with Los Angeles Clippers assistant Mike Woodson as well. As for Van Gundy, things have been bleak for the Knicks since he has departed. New York has reached the playoffs just four times in 17 seasons after uh, Van Gundy's tenure and has won just one series, a far cry from the playoff success the coach had, including a run to the 1999 NBA Finals. However, Begley wrote, quote, Van Gundy left abruptly, which led to some ill will between the two. Recently, that relationship seems to have been repaired. The 56-year-old analyst went 248 and 172 as a head coach of the Knicks and proceeded to lead the Houston Rockets to a 182 and 146 mark from 2003 to 2007 after leaving New York. Uh, so that's all, that's all we have for the breaking news for the last two days. Uh, for This breaking news is from uh, Monday, April 16th, Sunday, April 15th, and uh, Saturday, April 14th of 2018. Uh, so... That's that. Now we're going to be covering the LA sports teams and then the Monte Carlo Open, but first the Los Angeles sports team. We are going to be starting with the Los Angeles Dodgers who played yesterday. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, or might be confused, yesterday uh, was uh, Sunday, April 15th, 2018. They beat the Arizona Diamondbacks. They avoided the sweep. Uh, they won by a score of 7-2. Clayton Kershaw was on the mound. The Dodgers' next game is uh, today. Monday at 7.10 p.m. against the San Diego Padres in San Diego. It will be broadcasted locally on Sportsnet LA as well as Fox Sports San Diego. So that's that. Uh, Now, the other uh, baseball team in Los Angeles, the Angels, they're red hot. They were supposed to play yesterday, but the game was postponed. I believe it was because of rain. They were supposed to play the Kansas City Royals, who sit at a record of 3-10. The Angels are currently 13-3. The game was going to be broadcasted on Fox Sports West as well as Fox Sports Kansas City. The Angels' next game is tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, April 17th, against the Boston Red Sox in Los Angeles at 7.07 p.m., broadcasted on NESN and Fox Sports West, so that's that. And now the LA Kings. They lost to the Vegas Golden Knights yesterday by a score of 3-2. to It was game three. It was in Los Angeles. The Vegas Golden Knights took a commanding 3-0 series lead. The Kings are down 3-0 in the series. But honestly, the Kings could have easily won or been up 3-0 in the series. Game 1, they lost 1-0. Game 2, they lost 2-1 in double overtime. Game 3, 3-2 in uh, regulation. So, I mean, it could easily be 3-0, at least for the Kings. So, the, the Game 4 of the series is tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, April 17th at 7.30 p.m. in Los Angeles. It'll be broadcasted locally on Prime Ticket and nationally on NBC Sports Nine. Vegas is looking for the sweep, and Kings are looking to get something going and perhaps do the impossible again, as they did in 2014 when they came back from a 3-0 deficit against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, so that's that. Now we're, now the Anaheim Ducks. Um, they played today at 7.30 p.m. against the San Jose Sharks in San Jose. Anaheim dropped the first two games of the season, both even though both were in Anaheim. So San Jose is looking to take both games in San Jose and sweep. Uh, the game will be broadcasted locally on Prime Ticket and nationally on CNBC. Uh, so that's that. Now we're going to be transitioning into the LA Galaxy since the Los Angeles Lakers and Los Angeles Clippers are not playing right now. Season's over. The LA Galaxy's next game is uh, Saturday, April 21st at 7.30 p.m. against Atlanta United. And the LAFC's next game is um, it is on Saturday, April 21st as well, but at 10 a.m. against the Montreal Impact. Uh, so now we're going to be covering the uh, Monte Carlo Open. 
2018 Monte Carlo Open. So we're going to be starting from the round of 64 on the men's side. So Medvedev, uh, unseeded Russian, beat unseeded Hungarian Fuksovic, uh, 6-7, 6-4, 7-5. Misha Zverev, unseeded German, beat unseeded Canadian uh, Aguer Alisame, 6-2, 6-7, uh, The 12 seed, Lajovic, beat uh, Ukrainian Stahovsky, 6-4, 6-4. The unseeded from Belarus, Ivashka, beat the number 6 seed, Mayer from Germany, 7-5, 6-0. The number 1 seed, uh, number one seed uh, Seppi, beat, uh, Gra beat Granoler, 6-3, 6-3. Number 10 seed Shardy beat four, the unseeded fellow Frenchman Nicolas Mahout 6-4-6-1. Number 9 seed Frenchman Herbert beat Martin 6-3-6-3. Um, unseeded Italian beat the 2 seed Garcia Lopez from Spain 6-4-6-2. Uh, Tsitsipas the 4 seed beat the 14 seed Basic 6-1-6-4. Kachanov from Russia beat Kokinakis from Australia 7-5-6-4. Uh, now today, uh, Tsitsipas beat Denis Shapovalov 6-3-6-4. Giles Muller beat Mayer 7-5-6-4. Milos Raonic beat Katarina 366263. Uh Kane Shikori unseated beat 12 C Thomas Burdick 466261. Borna Chorich beat uh Beneto 6263. Djokovic, no 9 seed, beat Lajovic 6061. Beden beat Basic 6476. Herbert beat Lorenzi 7664. Uh Edmund versus Dolgopolo versus was cancelled. Ramos Vignolas beat Donaldson 6363. Batista Agud, the 11th seed, beat Gozovic. 6463. Andre Rublev beat Haas 762675. And Krasinovich versus Lorenzi was cancelled. So those are the matches on the men's side. Uh, men's doubles, on the other hand. Um, so yesterday, the Lopez brothers lost to Farai and Cabal 6364. Klausen and Venus beat Rublev and Puy 6161 easily. Uh, today, though, Ar Arnito from uh, Poland and Nis from uh, Fr France beat. McLachlan from Japan and Gonzalez from Mexico, 6476. The brothers beat Schwartzman and Molteni, 6246-10-8. Dimitrov and Goffin beat Monorino and Mark Martin, 7662. Cuevas and Granolers beat Drumor and Gressi, 6236-10-6. And Cuevas and Granolers versus uh, Djokovic and Krasinovich was cancelled. So, uh, that's that. That's, that's all we have for the special edition episode, the combination of uh, episode number 39 and 40 that's all we have uh so thank you guys for listening this is the longest episode to date i believe maybe maybe not we don't fact check here just like at the i am rapport podcast shout out michael rapport the man uh the myth the legend and uh, thank you guys for listening all the other episodes are on soundcloud stitcher itunes twitter google play i appreciate you guys follow on instagram follow on twitter out on facebook follow on soundcloud uh tell us t tell the tell us about tell about this to your friends and thank you guys for listening i appreciate you all we out